Let's pray. Gracious Lord, you are our strength. Only when we recognise that do we find freedom. Open our hearts and our minds today as we hear your word through my words. Bless each one of us. Bless this community. Bless our mission to serve you and to grow your kingdom in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What strikes me from both our readings today are the themes of vulnerability, weakness and dependency. The disciples are sent out on mission and Jesus' instructions are that they take no provisions with them. I don't know about you, but if I go away for overnight, I've got you know, three bags. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> so they're required to be dependent on the hospitality of others. Clearly, there are no guarantees. Rejection of them is a distinct possibility. Paul is given a a painful affliction and yearns for it to be taken away. But he's told that God's way is for him not to be free of all limitations. Grace is all he needs. And strength is to be found in weakness. Vulnerability weakness and dependency. These things turn us away from an easy reliance on our own resources. We need help. We need other people. And we need God. But this is all very countercultural. Let's face it, vulnerability, weakness and dependency are not particularly welcome in our society. And they're certainly not instinctive for us. They're skills that we have to cultivate. When I was a school chaplain a few years ago now, I asked several of my middle and senior school classes some specific questions on issues of life and faith and trust. And I began by asking them to tell me something that they really needed that they didn't have and they didn't know how they could get it. In other words, I wanted to know what their experience was of needing something that they didn't already have easily accessible resources to get. They couldn't think of anything. Even after much probing from me, they couldn't think of anything. Of course, there were many, many things that they would have liked, but when it came to their needs within their stable middle-class families, they were already contentedly resource sufficient. So how do you talk about trusting God, about depending on God, when you can't consciously identify anything you need? Now, I'm not suggesting here that everybody around us has this same sense of adequacy in their own resources, and we all know that our wealth is poorly distributed. And that there are many people in our society who have critical needs that are not met, both here and overseas. But I think the fact is that we do live in such a fabulously resource-wealthy society that most of us have learned to instinctively rely on our own resources to get us what we need. And it's not just about material things. 
I know myself that if I discover something that I lack, my first impulse is probably not to pray for it. Because with a bit of work, it's probably already accessible to me. When my computer won't do what I want it to do, I call our son-in-law. If my car breaks down, I'll call the RACV. If the hot water service in the vicarage blows up, I'll be looking for someone, preferably a local, who will supply, deliver and fit a new one by the end of the week. If I hit a brick wall in a relationship or a work matter, I can find a life coach to help me through. I can sign up for an assertiveness course or an anger management course at the local community centre. If I need to develop my qualifications, there's a TAFE course or a university course that will meet my need. If my marriage is in trouble, a quick Google search will reveal pages of accredited marriage counselling agencies. Have I relied on God for any of it? Probably not. Why should I ask God for it? Because it's already there for me. Now, although I consider myself greatly blessed to live in a time and a place where my needs are met, especially when other times and other places do not have the same and did not have the same security provided. The temptation can be to drift into a state of inertia or complacency where I can think that my prayers have been answered before I even pray them, so I don't need to pray them. Of course, all we need is a medical crisis or the loss of a job or the death of someone close to us to leave us feeling highly vulnerable. And I know that some of us do live with chronic illness or loneliness or limitation and our sense of dependence on God is very rich and very strong. But I think I'm just trying to draw our awareness here to the lifestyle that we have. It appears not to be the fertile soil where vulnerability, weakness and dependency grow or where an open-hearted reliance on God thrives. So if we compare our situation to the two in our Bible readings today, in our Gospel, the disciples are sent out on mission, two by two, to go into villages and preach that people should turn their lives toward God. They are to heal and challenge the power of evil. They are to go in utter dependence. Their authority to do what they're doing is not their own. It's been given to them by Jesus. They're to take no money bag in case people think they're magicians who won't be paid for their tricks. They are to take no provisions, no second tunic or cloak to sleep under. They're to be reliant on the generosity and hospitality of others. They're to stay wherever hospitality is offered, not to go looking for the five-star option up the road. And if or when they are rejected, their only defence will be to brush the dust off their sandals as a testimony against that place and to move on. They are to be vulnerable, weak and dependent. As I reflect on this story, I find myself wondering whether rediscovering the mission of Jesus is one pathway 
through which we might re-enter the experience of dependence on God. I suspect that we have become so culturally enslaved that even our mission is undertaken with careful analysis and balanced budgets. And I wonder whether a more open-hearted listening for the call of God and an adventurous embracing of it might bring us into a deeper sense of adventure in mission, a more vibrant experience of dependence on God. What if our comfort with same old, same old church and worship has numbed us to the call to mission that Jesus shared with his disciples when he sent them out with nothing but God and each other? Instead of just a church where the faithful few can gather, why not a community hub, an hospitable gathering place, perhaps support and education opportunities for people struggling with life, a point of connection, opportunities to explore faith and come to know God. But dreaming big for the kingdom of God can be scary. Perhaps we might find ourselves called onto pathways that don't feel safe. They're not predictable, sorry, and they're obviously and they're not obviously resourced. Perhaps after all that we've been through, not the least of which is COVID, which we're still struggling with, perhaps we're being called to a lifestyle of more radical vulnerability, dependence, weakness and trust. Well, I'll park that there for today. But are we listening for what God might be saying to us? What he might be calling us to be and to do in future generations? The passage that John read us from 2 Corinthians can sound a bit cryptic in our modern context. It's part of a very complex correspondence which arose from an even more complex relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church. And uh, there's two letters there. There's some possibility there was a third letter that we we don't have. Um, But obviously this was a a, a difficult relationship and they went through quite a lot. Corinth itself was going through a whole lot of difficulties and his relationship with them was also quite uh, difficult. He had planted this church in Corinth but various influences had sought to establish their own authority by undermining Paul's. And in this passage, as he tries to establish his credentials without boasting about them, and it's a bit debatable how well he succeeds in that, really, he ends up choosing to boast about his weaknesses. <laughs> but he, has, he shares with them that he has an especially painful affliction that makes his life quite difficult. He calls it a thorn or a stake, the same word that is used for a sharp stake that was used for trapping and tormenting opponents in military battle. It's a strong word. It's a strong image. And Paul never shared what it was. He just let us know that he was struggling with something really difficult. We don't know what it was. So painful and restrictive was it that he pleaded with God three times for it to be taken away. But it wasn't. Instead, he received two affirmations. My grace is sufficient. 
and my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in weakness. And for Paul, that's the final answer because his whole life is about the gospel of Jesus. That people enter into relationship with God, not on the basis of their strength, their adequacy or their merit, but precisely on the discovery of their weakness, their lack of merit and their reliance on God. And it's precisely this affliction that reminds Paul of his vulnerability, of his weakness and of his utter dependence on God. Is there some way, I wonder, that we can see the trials and challenges that afflict us as a call to a deeper dependence on the grace of God? Perhaps it's in the very trials and challenges that we go through that we can discover who we really are. Paul's reminding us that when we think we have to look perfect and together in order to give glory to God, we're actually shutting God out of the picture. When we only let our strengths and our successes be seen, we're actually glorifying ourselves because the parts of our lives that we're showing, or probably more appropriately the masks that we're showing, are precisely the places where we can get along without God and just rely on our own abilities. The broken and the fragile parts of our lives where we can do nothing but rely on God are precisely the parts where God's love and mercy and help might become to be seen at work and glorified. I want to share something from a little book called Poverty of Spirit. This is written by Johann Baptist Metz. And he says this, We humans are in the, midst, in the most awkward of situations. We have self-awareness, yet we're also vulnerable, fragile and dependent. We have needs we cannot meet on our own, dreams we cannot fulfil on our own, fears we cannot allay on our own. We have a choice between two possible responses. Frightened of our vulnerability, we seek to establish our permanence, our completeness, our immortality by overcoming everything that threatens us. We establish resources for our security and comfort and success as if we can be the masters of our own destiny. Except that we're not. And deep down, we know we're not. So we live with the deep-seated anxiety that at any moment, the great edifice of our own making will come tumbling down. The alternative is to do what the human Jesus did. We acknowledge and accept our limitations and embrace our dependence on God. And we discover that there are deep out sorry we discover there our deep fulfillment in the truth that our life only comes to wholeness in active dependence on God. So we no longer need to establish our own credentials or even our own security. We don't need to be noticed or heroic or dazzle people with our cleverness or cling to our own resourcefulness or win superiority over others or fight to avoid the time of our death. We are free to accept the things within us that are ordinary, weak, confusing, vulnerable, incomplete. 
Set free from preoccupation with ourselves, we're free to love without reservation. We're free to be authentically ourselves. We're free, Paul would say, to allow the power of God to be seen in us. It's precisely at our weakest points that the power of God's love and mercy are most obviously at work. So the question remains, in an indulgently resourced society like ours, how do we recapture our sense of vulnerability, of weakness, of dependence that calls us to that deep trust in God? It was a very unlikely prophet once, Leonard Cohen, who said, there's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. It's a great saying. We have a dining table that's been moved all round the country. It's raised three children and <laughs> a few grandchildren. It's covered in dents and scratches. And Last year, John, during lockdown, John decided to sand it back and restain it and revarnish it, and it's come up lovely. But he left a corner with the old scars on it. And he did that deliberately because this table tells a story and it's not perfect, and it's good that it's not perfect. And we like that. We need to remember there's that corner there that we need to be willing to share, to show. Because there's something else going on here too, and it's about our need and our love for... Of, sorry, our need for the love and acceptance of each other, not just of God. It's actually our broken, fragile parts that enable us to truly and deeply connect with one another as well. When I see someone who's always stronger than me and more prayerful than me and more committed and engaged and effective than me, I might admire and be inspired by them, but I almost never see them as someone I could relate to and draw close to and develop any real intimacy with. They're out of my league. They're inaccessible and remote. The people I feel close to and understood by and truly connected with are the ones whose struggles I can see and relate to. They're the people to whom I can show the truth about myself because we share similar truths to one another, even though they may be quite different. I found a really lovely metaphor the other day that speaks to this that of rough edges. Instead of trying to sand and polish off our rough edges, it's actually the rough edges that enable us to connect and hold on to one another. Two polished stones easily slide past one another and no real connection is made. But two rough stones pushed together will catch on to one another and maintain a grip. It's our broken bits and our rough edges that create the possibility of real intimacy or real connection, or real experiences of mutual grace and love. And I think that's how we connect with God too, not just with one another. It's part of what Paul's saying here about relying on the strength and the grace of God. The more polished we are, the the less need of God we feel and the less opportunity to give God to connect with us. It's the broken, jagged and hurting parts of us that will welcome God's touch and give God something to get a grip on. So I encourage us, starting with myself, 
Let's have the courage to truly live this. Yes, we strive for growth in wholeness and love and integrity, but that growth can only be true and it can only be healthy growth if it takes root in the fertile soil of honesty and reality. So if you stay away from church when you have a bad week or you feel a bit sad or down, or if you walked in here today feeling that you'd better keep your guard up because you're too uncertain or selfish or faithless or stumbling or you just feel downright messed up at the moment to ever be accepted by church people and to be loved as you are, please know that you are safe here and you can be real because that person sitting alongside you or the person sitting just across from you is often just downright messed up too. And this woman daring to stand up front here representing God, trust me, is an expert in messing up. It's okay. In all our shared messiness and doubts and brokenness, we can meet one another and love one another and share the experience of God's love and grace together. We need to be able to be real about who we are. Sometimes we'll do that well and other times we won't. But when we slip, there again is a jagged edge where we will catch each other, perhaps painfully, and where we can allow God in to connect with us and draw us a little bit further into the healing and reconciliation that is what this this little bit of God's new culture, his kingdom, is all about. Grace is pure gift. It cannot be earned. It's free, but it's never cheap. It calls us deeper into our own reality and deeper into the reality of God. And deeper into the reality of true community. If we're willing to risk accepting and honouring the gifts of vulnerability, of weakness and dependency as the catalyst for discovering the true power of God at work in our lives, at work in our church and at work in our world. The Lord be with you.